Okay, back by popular demand, just for you guys. The freestyle intros. Mm. Okay, uh, I had to quit these flows because I got really low. And if I'm honest, y'all, let the world tell me no. The pressure from the growing numbers, man, it's open a dough. To shine a light, almost really wrong. Ego, used to have a little, but we got more now. Light workers lounge through about a hundred thousand. Yeah, we bustin' through the ceiling, now we goin' sky high. Then we look back at our haters and be like, bitch, bye. <laughs> oh, I miss these. I miss these a lot. So bring the beat back. Feel the energy from your head to your toes. I got the green light from my boy Mark Groves. The relationship shit, man, this dude knows. But after talking to him, I'll never go. Ooh, I fall apart. Down to my core, oh, fall apart, but not no more. What's up, my light workers? Okay, I know y'all are so excited for this episode, so I'm gonna make this intro brief. We have Mark Groves, known as at Create the Love on Instagram. He is a very popular human connection specialist who posts no BS relationship advice on Instagram. And if you don't already follow him, you're definitely gonna want to do that because his Instagram and his podcast have helped me personally so much through my divorce through new relationships, through nasty breakups, through accepting healthy, unconditional love. It was just such an honor and such a moment, not only to have such an awesome public figure come on the show, but in my personal life, to actually sit down and talk to this man who didn't even realize it because he's got so many followers, who has changed my life and, like, I want to say held my hand through some of the most difficult relationship experiences that I've ever gone through. So it was quite the moment. You'll feel it in our interview together. Mark and I talk about broken engagements and tough breakups and healthy relationships and what's sexy in a relationship. It was awesome. And you guys are really going to love this episode. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mark Groves. Welcome to Lightworkers Lounge. We're so happy to have you here. (laughs) You're kind of a big deal in our community. I've been having my friends. (laughs) Text me all day saying, good luck with Mark. Holy crap, you're recording with Mark. <laughs> well, that's such a, I mean, it feels foreign for me to, to I, I guess maybe it's part of receiving of being like, yeah. oh yeah, that's, it, it's an honor to be here. And, and also an honor to know that what I talk about or what I think has an impact on other people that, that really does, it makes the, the, the pain worth it. Yeah. I mean, I've had my friends FaceTiming me 30 minutes before we started recording. Like, I can't believe you're going to talk to Mark. I can't believe he's coming on this show. (laughs) And you know, with Lightworkers Lounge, I have a fraction of the amount of followers or community members, as I call them, as you do. And so far I've gone to like a farmer's market or someone always notices me in public because I have a pug and people love pugs. (laughs) They do. And then they look up at me and say, wait, are you the girl from Lightworkers Lounge? And I've had people cry and give me big hugs. Uh, And like you said, I just, it, it blows my mind because I just share my authentic story and who I really am on social media. It's such a gift. And you, you know, that's the inspiring, although it is maybe the most confronting thing is to actually share what's true for us, what's below 
the activities and the mass and the ways we wish to be perceived. But when I sort of first started to write about what was going on in my internal world, I was so terrified because I'd been rejecting it myself, you know, in my own self-expression. And when I started to do that, it was amazing just to see that it sort of started to give other people permission to do the same. And that's why self-expression, vulnerable self-expression is healing for everybody. It's terrifying and it requires an immense amount of courage. But the outcome is that everyone feels more connected and it sort of birthed within ourselves when we share what we think and feel. We no longer internally reject ourselves. And that, that you know, what we look outside in our lives and we say that person left me, that person rejected me, that person didn't accept what I said. In our own inability to express, we do that. So it just starts to be mirrored to us in the outcomes we have in our lives. And then we blame someone else for what is actually going on way ahead of the actual relationship. You know, and that's how Lightworkers Lounge started. It's my podcast that I started as like a diary almost. I never wanted it to be my full-time job. It was just a place to release <laughs> how I truly felt inside. And then it just took off because like you said, people just feel so connected to what I have to say because they're going through it as well. And they just don't feel like they can share it for whatever reason. So this is one of the, I polled my audience and asked them what kind of questions they have for you, Mark. And then oh, I can't wait. started with create the love. It's, you know, I look back now and it's been, uh, my path, I think sort of depending on where you think it begins, I guess, <laughs> and how existential you might be. Um, I would say that it began the moment that I had a relationship breakdown. I had an engagement that ended that just made me get really curious as to, you know, I was in sales and I was good at sales and I was good at communicating. And I thought, why am I so good at doing so much communication with everything but my feelings? Like That's mm -hmm. not a skill set issue. That's a, that's a, a, something much greater going on. And I started initially when the engagement ended, I really just thought to myself, like, how did I get to a place where I'm so disconnected from who I am? Like, this isn't true of just this relationship, but it was true of just how I'd been living for as far as I could remember. I'd say it was probably about seven years that I'd felt that way. And when I woke up, quote unquote, mm -hmm. to where I was at in my life and who I was being, and that was a continued thing that happened. It's not like I just all of a sudden was in integrity that day. It was more like, man, I feel like society has been lying to me. I feel like I grew up Catholic. I felt like the church lied to me. I felt, I felt like we we're taught this story of like what kind of job you're supposed to get, what it means to be a man or a woman, what it means to be a provider or a paternal, you know, a maternal parent. And I started to think like, I felt like I was in a prison, in a box that, you know, the, the painful thing I think is realizing that we built the box ourselves, you know, that we mm -hmm. took the box we observed from our parents or from culture or society. And then all of a sudden we wake up in that box and, or someone takes the box away from us. And all of a sudden we go like, holy shit, who am I? Who yeah. am I? And that, yeah. that the journey was originally to discover like, what is it that makes great relationships last and others not? And do people yeah, actually stay people in love? Have like a relationship breakdown and start sharing it on social media or? No, I mean, I was 27 then. It didn't even exist yet. 
Um, I think Facebook just came out. I mean, I was not into the idea of sharing what I was learning. I went back to school. I studied positive psychology. Um, and then I started to read science, science and studies and tons of different things. And it was actually after a breakup at maybe five years ago now, almost to the month. And she, the woman who I was dating, we didn't date very long. We only dated three months, but she ran social media for some companies and I didn't know what Instagram was, but she should, she was like, you should start an Instagram, start writing about the things you think about. And I had at the time, like thought about, you know, I w- I'd gone back and started blogging, started writing. Mm-hmm. And then I just started an Instagram after we broke up and I was away with my family for Christmas. And so I was like sitting in the silence of my pain and I would just post a quote and then write about the quote. And of course people would be like, oh, you can't write long form on Instagram. It's for pictures. And I'm like, at that point, though, I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm so done with rules for telling me how I have to live and what I can and cannot do and who I can become and how I want to do things. So it was almost like a further invitation to, I guess, what felt kind of like a rebellion. Yeah, I love that. You know, one of my most popular podcast episodes that really made Lightworkers Lounge take off was... I openly shared my divorce. I mean, I just left my husband and I sat in an Airbnb and I was like, just so, so low. And I just said, turn your microphone on and talk about what you're feeling Mm. at rock bottom. And I was so, I haven't even listened to the full episode because I'm too (laughs) nervous. I never listen to mine either. Yeah, I can't. I just recorded it and I posted it. I put it out there in the world because I knew that there are so many people who go through divorce and breakups and it hurts and it sucks, but no one really shares how they feel. And that's how Lightworkers Lounge took off. It's from mm, that. The birth from that. You know, there's. Yeah. I have a podcast, a podcast episode um, that I did on the closing ceremony that my ex and I did. And I was freaking sobbing on the episode. And yeah. I remember sending it to my podcast editor and I was like, can you uh, maybe like cut out the lengthy <laughs> songs? Those no, are, those are personal. <laughs> can you, well, you can keep whatever is required, but there was, you know, some grief that needed to be expelled through that experience. But I totally resonate with you on that, that those are so cathartic for the expression and the moving of the emotion, but they're also the thing you know, like perfection isn't what we relate to individually. It's it's actually failure. It's actually imperfection. It's it's actually pain that bridges us, not the perfect ass or the perfect life. Right. It's that the thing that we share below all of that is a shared desire for connection and love and also, you know, I think permission to feel the things that we haven't as a society coded as positive emotions. You know, I... I don't see my emotional experience as positive or negative or good and bad and that they're these two poles, but yet they are just, um, you know, this concept that like, if your heart is broken after you go through heartbreak, I really think about it as more that your heart isn't broken, it's open. And, and the more that you feel the depth of your pain, the more you have evidence that you have loved. I mean, in, in the very thing, when people say, I don't believe in love anymore, I'm like, wow, the evidence that you use to not believe in it is actually evidence that it exists. Wow. Listen to that. You know, when I was listening to one of your podcast episodes about your engagement 14 years ago, that one resonated with me so heavily because I wish I was as brave as you 
to end my engagement. So I got engaged when I was 21. I'm 30 now. I got engaged when I was 21, married at 24. And from the moment he proposed, my intuition told me, no, this is not right. I mean, the moment, but something inside of me, it's like my ego or my head jumped in and said, but he's good looking. He's very kind. You don't fight. You don't argue. Why would you say no to this? Mm-hmm. I was just too young and too engulfed in society. Like we were just talking about, like you go to college. I just graduated. So it was time to get a big girl job and get engaged and married Buy house, have kids repeat. Yeah. Yeah. I know that story. I was in it. Yeah. And plus I was just so, so young. I try not to tell people, Hey, don't get engaged so young because I think there are people who can make it work at 21. But what do you think when you're 21? Do you know who you want to spend the rest of your life with? You know, look, I I think there's exceptions to everything. I mean, divorce has gone down, uh, although that's not the message that we would hear from people. It's gone down in higher socioeconomic statuses. So to be fair with that, that's, there is a difference there, but you know, we get married older. Now we have birth, the birth control pill has reduced the amount of people getting married in some level of dysfunction. And, you know, the evidence shows that the older you are, when you get married, the more likely your relationship will succeed. Um, I mean, the brain isn't fully developed at 21. So the, our identity isn't, um, I don't think I, I can't speak for everybody, but I would say that the majority of people I meet at 21 are still figuring out who they are. But I don't know that that ever stops. But I think we're still building the foundation of what we might call our identity. Um, as a man, I know I certainly didn't know who I was. And I probably didn't start to have some level of emotional maturity till I was probably 31. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I think that like a lot of the work that I do is about giving people permission to be different, to fail, quote unquote. I don't, I don't see relationships endings as failures. I see them as expansions, as rebellions, as, you know, everything that's rock bottom is really just an invitation back into yourself to figure out who you are. You know, the space between what you've created that has caused you to leave who you are, which creates a rock bottom, you know, when we create a story, that isn't necessarily the story we wanted to create. Well, then you start to see who have you built and become in order to please, in order to fit in. And when all that falls away, which happens a lot with breakups, you get to decide, you know, what do I want to keep? What do I not? And the beautiful thing about breakups is that if you tell someone that you don't want to talk about something or you set up some boundaries or you start to get real curious and learn about things that are, you know, fascinating and maybe outside of what the norm would be in your friendship group. They kind of let it go for a little bit, you know, and they're kind of like, oh, just leave him alone. Like he's going through some shit, but that's really the time that you get to birth a lot of your authentic self. And I'm not going to say that people shouldn't get married at 21, but what I would say is if you did and you had to leave, it's okay. And that's part of learning, you know, and, most people who got married at 21 got married because they were taught that that's what they're supposed to do or they were raised in a religion where they're not allowed to have sex before they get married. So unconsciously, they're really getting married so they can, you know, experience actual sexual intimacy, which is robbed from them through their belief system, which I think is incredibly irresponsible of a religious structure personally. Um, rather than pe- teaching fear about sexuality, I think we need to teach empowerment about sexuality which can be like, hey, when you're intimate with someone, just make good choices about it. <laughs> you know, like 
come at it from a place of love, not from a place of fear. Because of course, wherever you teach shame, you'll teach dysfunction. And I think uh, when we look back historically, and I'm talking about religions in their extremes, not in their beautiful foundational nature. Um, I just think there's, there's so many confounding factors that go into that choice. And all of it is really just an invitation to learn more about who we are. That's right. And I did. And I believe that my ex-husband and I got married so young because we kind of had a trauma bond. We both came from very broken families and we bonded over that growing up in environments like that. So we very quickly became kind of each other's parents Mm. and love between us felt more like brother, sister, father, daughter, mother, son. Have you ever heard of that instead of romantic partners? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that most people are in a wound-based relationship till they're not, you know, that's the beauty of, of learning how to love is to be able to look at who we choose. And, you know, we know that our chemistry can be dysfunctional, what we call chemistry when it draws us to people who aren't good for us. So that's right there. Just the acknowledgement of that is enough evidence to say that sometimes what we're drawn towards is what we think is fate is often just an invitation to heal. And so you know, I look back historically at my relationships and I think like I really was drawn to women who who couldn't show up for me fully, who couldn't choose me fully, which made me become somewhat of an overfunctioner in relationships and that keeps them in the role of underfunctioning. The irony too then is the woman I was engaged to really did fight for me and pursue me and that was the one that I was drawn away from. So I'm constantly, you know, sort of examining my patterns and I've, yeah, that, that was my next question is when you were engaged when you were 27, right? Yeah. Um, why did you break off the engagement or did she? I did. Um, I did because the moment that I got engaged, I had this feeling of like, wow, this is the moment that I've been always taught to want, you know, mm-hmm. get married by 27, have kids by 30, be a provider, make money, take care of a family. And I got to that moment, you know, but previous to actually getting engaged, I was scared of getting engaged. I didn't want to. I didn't know why. I was really anxious. She was, she's an incredible human. It just couldn't make sense for me. And when I started to dive into the inquiry of that, when I would talk to people around me and say, here's what I'm feeling, people would say things like, oh, you're just afraid of commitment. You're afraid to grow up. And I thought to myself, like, we want men who are connected to their feelings. And yet here I am sharing how I feel and I'm told that it's not valid. Wow. So, I mean, I got engaged, I think in a lot of ways because she was an incredible person and it was the next logical step. She is an incredible person. And then when I got engaged, I realized that I was creating a story that felt like it wasn't mine, that I didn't understand what I was doing. It felt like a very I felt like I was losing myself and I could tell that I was probably going to get sick. I was, it was just my stomach hit the floor. And I remember I posted my story on this forum and I shared what I was going through. And I always caution people, like if you're looking for life advice, go to people who are not connected to your outcome. Because if you go to people who are connected to your outcome, you'll get advice that mitigates or minimizes, sorry, the the impact on their own lives. So it's hard for people to separate an impact from themselves. So they'll give advice that positively influences them. That is a quote right there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was the cool thing was when I shared it on this forum is all of a sudden all these really incredible people 
just asked me questions because they didn't give a shit what I chose. They just wanted me to feel better, to be okay, to make, quote unquote, the right choice. And this one woman asked me uh, three questions that were just, they were sort of what shook me. The first one was, if she left you tomorrow, would you be okay? And I thought, I would be. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a red flag, but it was that it felt like a relief. Oh, yeah. And then the second question was, could you imagine what it would be like waiting for her at the altar, whatever your altar is? And I thought, no, that like gave me anxiety. And then the last um, question was, could someone else love her better? And that was the question that really rocked me because I hadn't thought about it from her perspective. I hadn't thought about the impact of what I was choosing on her that Really, like me not being able to wholeheartedly choose this experience meant that I was robbing her of what she was so worthy of and robbing myself of that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and that, that question right there is what has helped me leave relationships in the past is, can someone else love this person better? Yeah, and I, I think the next follow-up question to that, of course, is do you want to? Like, why do you leave a gap? I think we leave gaps often because we don't know how to love ourselves, you know, when, when we feel disconnected from our partners, usually we need to, um, we need to reconnect to ourselves first. And then, you know, we sort of blame them for our lack of connection to self because the contracts or the agreements that the relationship was based upon are often based on self-abandonment, which is what we've been taught. I mean, that's the essence of the patriarchy. That's the essence of evolution is that the needs of the group come ahead of the needs of the self. And I think we've, really pivoted to these opposite extreme where the needs of the self come ahead of everything. And, and really love is about balance. It's about holding on to who you are and being in love. And, you know, I'm the first to say that I'm always in life's classroom and, and being able to learn like, what are the edges of me? Who, where do I end and you begin? And how do I hold on to me and still care for you? And that's, I think a dance that is not specific that I can't say this is the right answer for you. It's more like we have to get to know our own edges. We have to leave things to know what's heavy. We have to choose things to know what is worth fighting for, you know, and that's what life is about is this journey of understanding. It's not about getting it right. It's about learning. It's about being a good student. And I think when we can embrace that, that mistakes are actually part of living, then we have this permission to be human. And then we're not trying to hide our secrets and our pain we're actually trying to embrace them. And then in the embracement, embracing of our own mistakes and self, well, gosh, everyone around us feels the same thing. And that's permission to be human. I mean, it, it's kind of ironic that that's the very thing that we're getting to now is that we've been, we've been hiding behind so many things and, and life outcomes and that our relationship status matters more than our own mental health. You know, and that... that- very powerful statement, which perfectly segues into a lot of people. When I pulled them, what they want to ask you is why is it so hard to follow my intuition, which is telling me to leave someone who's so lovely. We get along just fine, but my intuition is telling me to leave, to let them go. So many people are in that predicament, whether it's a marriage or a long-term relationship, they just feel a pull to leave and they can't understand why or even how to bring up the conversation because the relationship is just, it's just fine. Well, I think you can start with that. You know, this pull to leave is often this 
pull to escape the binds of what we think keeps us small or keeps us from self-expressing. I mean, it's a delicate dance, of course, again, because who am I to say whether someone should leave or stay? You know, and that's why whenever I give advice and someone says, like, you got to fight for things, society today, everyone just leaves everything. And I think, sure, sometimes that's true. And if you look back at history, people stayed too long, too. So I, I never project my desire onto someone else's life of what they should do. I believe that every experience is to teach them for themselves. And so if I give advice to someone based on what I want them to choose, I'm not inviting them into their own truth. And that's why we often know the answer, you know, and that's the hard part because that's the part that is, you know, can you, can you betray someone else to save yourself? And that's a pretty heavy thing to consider because, of course, anyone who's been left and not dealt with that and not dealt with their responsibility in the leaving that triggers people. That gets people really pissed because their pain of abandonment gets brought back up. And my invitation to them is always, what have you, how have you abandoned yourself before? Often we abandon ourselves to keep relationships. And then when the other person leaves, we're pissed because, you know, we, we left ourselves to stay. And this is this, <laughs> this part of being a human that's hard, which is you don't know the answer till you make a decision in a lot of the conversation that my ex and I had was about like, what is the difference between fear and intuition? And how do you know if you're afraid to be close versus, you know, how do you know you're afraid to be close versus you actually need to part? And, you know, I, I think there's a couple truths that make that feel a little lighter. One is that, look, not every relationship is meant to last forever. That's just the truth. And that's true because whoever you dated in grade nine, you're probably not married to anymore. So we know, or dating anymore. So we know that relationships end and that's okay. If you place your self-worth in your relationship status or what people think about your choice, then again, that will impact whether we're able to leave. But I think at the end of the day, it's, I would just invite people to ask themselves, are they afraid of closeness? Have they ever swam past the breakers as the angry therapist calls it? You know, have they ever gone beyond a space they've never been? Are they fighting about the same things? Because that to me tells me that they actually don't know the way out of a pattern to deeper intimacy. And, you know, sometimes we just have fundamentally different principles and goals. Like who you are at 21 is different than who you are at 41. And you might have married someone because that was the right choice and they were one of 10 available suitors in your town that you grew up in and now you live in New York. I mean, all of these things impact us so greatly. And I just think even if you leave something and you then find out that you should not have left, you wouldn't have that information if you didn't leave. And that's why there is no such thing as the wrong choice because everything produces more information and gets you to know yourself better. And I remember talking to a friend once who just makes incredibly great decisions and I said to her, how do you do that so well? And she said, I just consider if what I chose didn't impact anyone, what would I choose? And I know that's the truth, which I think is separate from measuring the impact that your choice might have on your partner or your family or your kids. But saying like, even in spite of all of that, you know, can you do it? Fuck, man. It takes courage to, to live in truth. 
lot of courage. I, you know, I wanted to leave my marriage for years, but I always thought of, we will be so crushed. Our, we'll have to explain it to our families. We'll have to explain it to our friends. And so I avoided it, but I finally said, can someone else love him better? Absolutely. And I thought of that person and I thought of his happiness. So let him go, which is so hard. But like you said, it was an invitation to come back to myself. Well, yeah, it sounds like in that choice, you reclaimed who you are. Totally, totally. Now, a lot of people were asking that, how do you break the it's too good to be true mindset? So these people have left toxic relationships, worked on themselves, done the healing, and now they're in a seemingly healthy relationship, but they're saying this is too good to be true. What's the kicker? Well, I think the exploration, much like the previous question is, have you ever actually let someone love you? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think the balance in relationship when we get bored or we're with someone who's really great, but we're feeling drawn to leave. I do think that it is about exploring if I put this energy into recreating this relationship and myself first, then what might the relationship feel like? You know, Harville Hendricks has this great question that he asks in one of his books called Getting the Love You Want, where he says, most couples... And most people say, my relationship isn't giving me what I need. As opposed to saying, what would my relationship need from me in order to give me that, in order to feel that way? And it's such a different perspective to think that these are the deposits that we need to make within ourselves and within our relationships. And it is a separate entity, separate from who we are and separate from who they are, that it requires actual investment in nurturing and love itself in the context of being from going from toxicity and then going into calmness, well, that's like anything, you know. It's when your body has coded chaos as love, maybe because of the home you grew up in, maybe your nervous system is always used to being in chaos, and then we have that with elation and connection and sex and all the things. We have a very dopamine-rich connection system. That uncertainty and elation and you know, if you think about biologically what butterflies are, they're really anxiety and uncertainty. And when we can start to see that love is actually calm, love is actually safety, but not boredom, right? Because that's different. Mm-hmm. Is like if you are in a relationship with someone who will do anything for you and doesn't have any boundaries, you're not going to respect them. Well, you're not going to want to have sex with someone you don't respect. Yep. You know, and that's why I think a lot of the times we test our partners to see if they'll say no to see if they'll stand up for themselves. And we see that as sort of a pathology of nice guy or nice girl syndrome where these people just don't have any boundaries around who they are. And so that's that part of love that creates disconnection is when you are in a codependent relationship, you will often lose desire and want to leave because you don't know how to create who you are in a connection. You only know how to do it outside of a connection. So whenever we get into relationship, we lose ourselves And when we're single and we got all our shit figured out and we're singing and dancing down the street, you know, listing out some Beyonce lyrics. And then we get into love and we're like, fuck, I thought I had this shit figured out. But you don't because being independent and owning your own world is very different from maintaining your own world and being interdependent. Those are really different things. That's where the rubber hits the road. That's where can you let someone love you, but can you also like really hold a boundary between who you are and who they are. Wow. 
Now, a lot of people were asking about how to get through a tough breakup. And I know you just went through one. You've been writing about it a lot on your Instagram. So what are some ways that you've been healing? Wow. Um, You know, I just allow the fluctuations of the human experience to come. Mm -hmm. You know, I try not to overanalyze or give meaning to too many things. I mean, I look at what are my previous patterns and breakups you know, boundaries around my healing. Those are all really important. Yeah. I have a breakup recovery course that I created quite a bit before I went through a breakup. I've since added to it, but really I think we need to be reminded of the truth, you know, and that's one of the, one of the weeks in that course is about connecting to the truth, connecting to the reality of the relationship. You know, there's a really good Ted talk that, I think Guy, I forget his last name. Um, But in it, he has, one of the exercises he has is you write down all the things that weren't great about the relationship. Because what the human mind does in a breakup is the same parts that light up, you know, for addicts light up when we go through a breakup. So we're actually addicted to our partner, to our relationship. And then that causes us to think about only the good things. Oh, that is so true. Yeah, so we end up loving them more, which is actually really interesting that we like love and long for them more than when we were in it. And you completely forget about all the bad things that led up to that breakup. They just vanish. Yeah, right? And then so for for me, it's, you know, my relationship wasn't filled with bad things. So it's been a bit of a um, a conundrum to like have had great connection and great communication and seemingly have done most things right and have a relationship in. So there's just the processing of all that, of how I thought the story was going to go, knowing that the story itself is not over, but that it, it might just have changed actors, actresses. And so I think in the acknowledgement of that, in just recognizing that there's a biological response that I have, and then there's a soul response that I have. And the biological response is I'm experiencing great loss. I'm experiencing the severing of my attachment system. I'm losing a best friend. I'm losing how I thought the story was going to go. And at the same time, I recognize that everything happens for a reason. And there is a greater unfolding occurring. And that her and I in the container that we had could not create the relationship that we both desired. And not being attached to, you know, because I get asked things like, Oh, would you ever get back together? All those types of questions that are just natural. And I just am mindful to think like before we ever went through a breakup, I remember getting asked that question about someone else. Like, should I get back together with this person? And I said, it's always about getting together, moving forward. You shouldn't have to go backwards to do anything. And so if you are living in your truth and in your healing and just honoring it, you will inevitably meet whoever is in your future. If you are attached to it having to be them, then you won't see someone who's trying to love you. Mm -hmm. And I think the real processing of breakups is acknowledging how painful it actually is and how you have the right to feel that pain. But not to say things like, I shouldn't feel this way, or I shouldn't have had this, or I should be over it by now. But we're not. You know, and inevitably in that language to ourselves, we are creating shame. And we're not just embracing that there's 
the part of us, often the child in us, the lover of uh, in us, who's just hurting. And, you know, I just, I use writing as a way of cathartically moving through it and sharing time with friends. If I feel low, I hang out with people who will tell me the truth. You know, I think that's important is to surround yourself with people who tell you the truth. Yeah. And if you care to share more about why you guys broke up, this is a huge theme in Lightworkers Lounge. Since my divorce kind of spurred the growth of this community, there was nothing inherently wrong. There was no toxicity, no knockout, drag out fights. And we split up amicably and there was still love between us. And I feel like there always will be a tinge of unconditional love because we grew up together. We spent all of our twenties together. And mm. I think a bond like that never truly goes away. So I get asked all the time, do you regret your divorce? And I always answer, no, absolutely not. It, it was probably the best decision I've ever made for myself to come home to myself. So a lot of people are learning through Lightworkers Lounge that it's okay to end a relationship where there's no cheating, fighting, toxic traits. Can you elaborate on that? I think sometimes actually leaving a relationship is, you know, is what love would do, you know, and that I am the same as you. I I actually don't regret anything I've ever done um, because all of it has cultivated some sort of learning or wisdom as to how I could show up better as a person. And I think when we live with regrets, we just haven't sat in the wisdom that's available to us. We haven't listened and then we'll repeat mistakes because the wisdom is literally sitting in the space of regret. And I mean, we, we were together three and a half years and it's, it was an absolutely transformative partnership. She had, has similar interests in similar areas. And so it was just an opportunity to heal so much, to learn how to communicate better, to, you know, but I kept coming back to like the future that I wanted to create versus the future that she wanted to create. And I'm 10 years older than her. So, you know, there was an inevitably a bit of a, um, I would say timing difference in that I wanted kids in a specific amount of time in a less, um, lengthy amount of time. And she didn't, and she wanted to wait longer. And that conversation had sort of been fluctuating about, as we were navigating everything and it just got to a point where, you know, the timing differences just seemed to be too much of a challenge. And I'm not sure that at least in the capacity we were in at the time when the relationship ended, that we could figure out how to navigate that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, see, there wasn't anything really toxic. No, there was literally nothing toxic and, yeah. you know, incredible communication. And that's why even, uh, we're not, we don't communicate now because it's just not constructive for me healing. Mm-hmm. And so that is hard because of course, when you have great communication and every time you talk, you talk about amazing things and you feel seen and you feel acknowledged in a way that you may never have. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to logically allow the brain to say, we should let this go, you know? Yep. Yeah. Now I posted something on Lightworkers Lounge that got quite a bit of backlash and I'm sure you're used to that on your big platform like relationship advice is so open-ended like it's all a case-by-case basis so sometimes when I post stuff about relationships people get triggered (laughs) yeah people get triggered around matters of yeah how do you handle that mark because I'm still my skin is still thickening and I'm like oh this is all around bad advice how dare you share this (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, you know, I think sometimes people forget that on the other end of your own self-expression is a human with a heartbeat. And, yeah. you know, we're in a time where I think that people are really wanting to be seen. And so part of being seen is feeling triggered and being able to share their trigger. And they have every right to do that. I mean, the other thing that's true about if you follow someone is if you don't like what they say, then stop following them. You know, I have people who say to me all the time, like, your message would be more powerful if you didn't swear. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but then it wouldn't be my message. You know, like, stop trying to make me your teacher. Like, don't try to edit me for your own comfort because you don't like the word fuck. You don't like the word fuck. That's okay. But it's not my problem. That's right. And, you know, I know that there's a right way uh, to speak in certain avenues, but I think Gary Vaynerchuk has really shown us that there are no real rules, not to mention that the president of the United States has sort of done the same thing. You know, that what we believe are the rules are just agreements that people have been obeying. And that's kept us all in boxes. Not that I think the way the president is behaving is constructive, but I do think that it is changing or challenging the constructs of what we thought were good rules for people to live within these boundaries. And it's, and I don't mean to get political because I don't really want to go down that road because that triggers everybody. But I think what it does say is, look, everyone has the right to their experience and everyone has the right to not agree. And that's our own sovereign right over ourselves. And that's great. And if, if you don't agree with what someone's saying, start your own platform. If you yeah. have a different way of loving and being and communicating, start self-expressing. You know, I think Brene Brown loves that quote from, uh, I think it's Roosevelt. I can't remember, but it's like, mm -hmm. if you're not in the ring, I don't want to hear your opinion. Yeah. Like if you're not putting yourself out there, I don't want to hear it. And after my breakup, I find that I have much less emotional bandwidth for bullshit. Yep. So it's probably taught me that I've had too much of a bandwidth, that my boundary or the line of what I allow was actually too far. I just normalized it. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just, you know, I, I definitely find when I get triggered, I get curious. I like to learn from other people and I've learned a lot from the way that people receive my words. And And then there's times when someone's just like, you know, in their own toxic downward slide and they just oh, yeah. pour it all over your page and you're like, yeah, I've had to put up boundaries. I respond to comments for five minutes and then I can't read them anymore because I know there's always going to be one person. If I say, have a good day, they'll say, well, I just lost my cat. How dare you say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And they just want to be acknowledged for their cat being gone and that's okay, yeah. but that's also not your job. Exactly. So the post I made was new love is the best cure for old love gone bad. And I shared that because in my experience, I had old love that was toxic and it went bad and we broke up. And then I want to say through divine timing, I met someone who is showing me unconditional love, what healthy love looks like. And I have moments where I reject it and I'm fearful of it, but it's bringing me so much clarity into what real unconditional love is. And I'm growing and learning so much from it. So I agree sometimes that new love is the best cure for old love gone bad. But I have a comment that said, where's the healing part? That's how people get caught up jumping from person to person. This is all around bad advice. Oh, yeah. You know, that person, I would just say, probably had someone leave them and start another relationship. 
That's my guess. That's really, (laughs) that's usually how I see those types of things is they're like trying to protect someone from what they experienced, which is totally fair. That's why I don't delete it or do anything. I'm like, very valid. I'm sure there are a lot of people who agree. Yeah. And I mean, it's like uh, that other saying that the best way to get over an ex is to get under the next, you know, that's, (laughs) that's, Mm -hmm. that is often not true, you know, but at the same time, I think the challenge with giving advice or just sharing how you feel about your own life experience is that there's always a gray area. You know, there's always a, a little asterisk that says it depends. And, you know, in one way that I started to write from that was probably just less triggering for people is I just wrote from my own experience because no one can argue with your own experience, you know, and that's why whatever anyone who's listening has been through, you can teach about it because if you've gone through it, it makes you an expert at those specific circumstances. That's why you see so many people just teaching how to find health where allopathic medicine has not found them healing. And so they went on this journey through nutrition and autoimmune and emotional healing and somatic therapy and all these different EMDRs, you know, like all these different ways of finding healing because the current systems didn't offer them that. And I think that is pretty much a great way of uh, a good metaphor for everything in life, which is how you were taught of who to be and how to love and what are the rules. Imagine if you just didn't believe those things. Imagine if you got to write them yourself, you know, which we know we have to go through when all of a sudden our lives don't fit within the boundaries of what we've been taught. And then we feel like an outcast when we are actually just living our truth. And I think that's that difference between, you know, when you hear someone say something like, Oh, I'm the black sheep of the family. Yep. And I think of it like, I remember someone saying that, uh, imagine if you're the white sheep, that actually what you do is spreading healing and love and passion and, and inspiration. And it just is initially rejected. I mean, any time someone does something that's outside the norm, it is initially rejected because it causes people's identity to be a question. I mean, look at politics and religion. You know, the when something threatens the core tenet of any belief, we cling tighter to the belief instead of getting curious. And then we become more rigid. Yep. When really we should be excited when we learn something that eradicates something that we thought was true. So true. You know, one thing we debate a lot here on Lightworkers Lounge is how long should you wait after a divorce or a breakup from a long-term relationship? How long should you wait to start dating again? And now I know me in my marriage, I was emotionally checked out for five years. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I got the divorce, I was like emotionally ready to experience. <laughs> yeah. You're like Bumble just installed itself. What's happening? Yeah. I hear you. So I hear you. A lot of people would say, no, like my mom, for example, she said, you need to wait at least one year before you go on a date. There's more rules, you know, Fuck rules. That's exactly what I said. You know, I, for me, I think it's more just check in with yourself. Does dating feel like a distraction? Are you using another body as a bandaid? You know, that's really what you want to start checking in with. Is it an avoidance of self? Have you ever been alone? Can you sit in your own thoughts? Can you take a breath without someone else sharing one with you? You know, those are 
those are the things you want to check into. Is dating becoming like an addiction? I mean, it's so easy to do with things like Bumble and Tinder. They're great tools, but used in the wrong way, like anything, they can become toxic. And so I think that it's more about, does it feel heavy or light? Does it feel expansive? Like I'm going to have to learn and grow into this experience. Does it feel fun and playful and curious? And you'll know the answer. And that's how you build self-trust is you might go, yeah, it does feel fun and playful. And then you install it and you're like, ugh. then you know that it's not that. And that's okay. Then you just delete it. Exactly. Like there's no, I love that. There's don't put rules or labels or time stamps on your relationship growth. Or even when you're ready, who gets to fucking decide for you? Like that's, you know, I even like giving advice about that is like, you have to learn who you are. Just stop using other people as an escape. That's it. Just like, don't use other people to avoid your pain because yeah. then you spread your pain. And then you never feel it. And then you'll just go from relationship to relationship, calling it fate and wondering why you keep repeating the patterns. And then you'll write a comment on Instagram like, how do I stop dating emotionally unavailable people? And I'll say, stop being emotionally unavailable. That was one of my top questions too, is I keep attracting emotionally unavailable people. I'm attracted attracted to people who aren't good for me. Why? Well, first, and this triggers people, but I say it and I live by it. I, I will stand vehemently in this truth, which is emotionally unavailable people are only attractive to emotionally unavailable people. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because if you set a standard of your life of emotional availability within your own self, you get to know your own feelings, you take care of yourself, you fill your own cup, you have good habits. If someone comes into your life that does not meet the standard you set for yourself, then you they will not be able to be in your life. Often you won't even notice them. You won't even consider them. So if you are attracting people who are not good for you, I would say that it's time to explore why are you attracted to people who aren't good for you. You know, a real easy way to understand this is that if I have two people who are in the exact same demographic install Tinder on their phone, Both of those people do not get access to separate groups in the pool. They get the exact same pool of people. But one of them might end up on dates and in relationships with manipulative, controlling, chaotic, toxic people. And the other one will never even exchange a text with those people. And even if they do, they will quickly be done with them. Now, If it was true that we just, by chance, these people keep entering our lives, both people would end up on dates with them. But they don't because there's something that emotionally healthy people, quote unquote, because emotional health can be learned, so don't think that you're just like you're forever destined to something. There's something about emotionally healthy people that they see even within photographs and in the energy of a profile that they code as a red flag that other people don't. And so... I think this is a lot about getting to know the red flags we have within ourselves. And then it's also about learning if you grew up in a home where your parents might have been toxic, then you might have learned to ignore toxic red flags in order to stay in a family. And that's why taking, I mean, I I used to call it a dong detox or a Vaj vacation, but even using (laughs) genital names uh, triggers people. So let's just say taking a a detox... Right, like taking a detox from people 
if you have an unhealthy relationship to people in general and you need to take a detox from them because you need to learn how to manage your own nervous system and you need to learn how to manage your own energy. And when people are dating unhealthy people, it is an addiction. So you have to sit through the space and it's kind of like often the response I get to like, hey, I'm attracted to people who are bad for me. And really that is what we're doing is we're eroticizing what hurts us. We're like finding sexy what hurts us. And so one of the ways that we distract ourselves from not being chosen is we have an orgasm or we experience arousal. So arousal becomes a, an actual coping mechanism to escape pain. And when we can actually sit through that and not pursue people just for a bit, I would recommend six months for sure, is there's going to be a space between what was what we were attracted to and what is healthy and good for us, that calm, that someone who can show up for us, someone who can choose us. Because I would imagine that anyone who dates toxic people, if I said to them, have you ever actually let someone love you? The answer would be no. Yeah. And even if they say yes, I'm going to guess it's no anyways. (laughs) Just they haven't seen the habit of it, which is when we are constantly chasing other people, it's because we're afraid of being caught ourselves. And so when someone finally wants to choose us because we've never chosen ourselves, we don't know how to accept their love. And, And that really is such a good learning is to, if you can sit and become best friends with yourself, you can sit and learn yourself then literally all that has to happen is someone has to come and learn and sit with you. And there's such a calmness to that, yeah. such a calmness to that, to, you know, that, that a, a good man or a good woman or a good person, actually that dependability is, is fucking hot. Yeah. You know, the boundaries are sexy. When someone tells you that you're not showing up properly or you're flaky or you don't respect time or you can be an ass sometimes, be grateful because they're telling you the truth of who you are. And sometimes the shame of knowing how we've been causes us to push those people away when they're often the greatest gift. Yeah. They are the greatest teachers. I love when people say that to me because I sit and think, you know what? You're right. This is something I got to work on. Oh man, me too. Like all the, that's why I always tell people when they're like holding back truth from someone and you can communicate truth without being a dick you know, but when they're holding back truth from someone, uh, all the greatest spaces that I've grown from were always from someone telling me the truth about yeah. how they're, I'm experienced by the world. Yeah. And in my current relationship, we tell each other this is built on transparency, 100% authenticity, because we both admitted that in the past, we've told little white lies to keep everyone happy in the status quo. So we'll actually tell each other, hey, I'm nervous to be this honest, but here it is. And like you Mm. said, it's sexy. It's awesome. And you learn so much. And I don't get triggered by any quote unquote negative thing he says. Because it's like, you know what? You're right. Call me out on my shit. I love it. I know uh, Kai used to say to me, um, I think there's an upgrade. (laughs) There's an opportunity for an upgraded communication there. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, (laughs) there is. It's such a great way. You know, and that's the gift, you know, the gift of of being told the truth so that you can be the truth. Yeah. I love that. Now, one last quote I want to read is something you posted on your Instagram and I love it. Human relationships are strange. I mean, you are with one person a while eating and sleeping and living with them, loving them, talking to them, going places together. And then it stopped. What, what, what sparked you to post that? 
couple days ago. Mm, Charles Bukowski. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I love that quote because it's so true of the human condition, yeah. of just the reality of what is so hard for the mind to come to terms with. And what fueled it is is that I was just sitting in the space of, of you know, I, we had a lot of relationship rituals that we did. And, you know, being that we both still live in the same city, it's pretty hard for me to do something that doesn't remind me of her. And so I was sitting in that and I remembered that quote from Bukowski and I, you know, the way that I write is I either write my own quote or, or a quote brings up emotion in me and then I write that emotion out as a, and it's a catharsis, you know, it's a, it's a way for me to express that just pours out of me from the emotion that the quote creates. And, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge that for people that, that they're, you know, the, I started that caption with the quote from Wayne Dyer that we are he, spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think a lot of the time we forget about the human part when we're in the spiritual world. And we forget that we have cells and nervous systems and biology. And, you know, I just wanted to honor the space that is where she once was. Yeah. And do you think it's possible to miss someone but know that you can't go back? Well, look, I don't think you can ever go backwards. Um, I don't think you can ever go backwards. If you have to go backwards or shrink to meet someone, then you, it won't last. And, you know, I, I think that you can miss people for sure and not want them back. But I think you can miss them and want them back too. But I think the correction that's biological there and spiritual is that you should wish for a different version of both of you if you were to find yourselves again. Wow. Well, Mark, I appreciate your time so much. This was such a lovely conversation and it's still so surreal to be talking to you live after you've carried me across the country on road trips, just listening to your <laughs> podcast. So thank you for all that you do for your community and showing up every day and pouring your heart out when sometimes people throw tomatoes at you. I know how that is, but <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Yeah. I'm well, thank sure you so much for so having me. so many of us when I say thank you. Now, do you have any retreats or anything you want to share with the Lightworkers Lounge audience that's coming up? Well, one, thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful to, uh, you know, the, the one thing we can't exchange is time. And mm -hmm. uh, everyone listening and yourself have, have exchanged time for this, and that means an incredible amount to me. Um, what do I have coming up? You know, I, I have a conference that I'm launching that's coming up August long weekend and you can just follow create the love fest on Instagram to learn more about that. I haven't got the details yet finalized, but August long weekend is the first weekend and it'll be in Whistler, Canada. And what's that? I thought you were in Vancouver. I am in Vancouver. Yeah. You are? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Whistler just happens to be an epic mountain retreat. That's just a perfect spot for summer and learning about love. So I have that. If you follow me on Instagram and create the love, all the things that I do will be coming up there. I have an event in Chicago that's on December 14th and those tickets should be on sale right away. Other than that, I mean, I have a, uh, the breakup recovery course. So if you're going through a breakup, it is all about getting you back to ground zero and more. 
And I also have a course on boundaries that she had. That's, I just finished making that a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. that is such a deep dive in figuring out who you are, why you might not have boundaries, all those things. So Ooh, I might sign up for that one. Now and I just love it. It was so fun to make. And it's, you know, my promise to everybody is if you have great boundaries, you'll have a great life. That is 100% true. You've given me so many quotes for Lightworkers Lounge Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thanks. And because here at Lightworkers Lounge, astrology is a big topic. What's your sun sign? Scorpio. I knew it. I knew it before (laughs) you said it. Do you know your moon and your rising sign? You know what? I just installed that app, uh, The Pattern. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea any of that stuff yet, <laughs> but well, I know when well, I'm born well, and all that stuff, but, um, yeah, I don't, I'm just, uh, in, in, whenever I say I'm a Scorpio, people are like, I knew it. It's because you're so deep and inquisitive and you're talking about relationships and you have the power to transmute pain to growth and wisdom. That's Scorpio. Poof, I've certainly used pain as a way of supporting tequila. So, yeah, this is a good alternative. <laughs> it's a, I just took a shot of tequila yesterday and played mini golf. It was great. Oh, man. You know, I had to – I stopped drinking because – I stopped drinking a year ago and doing any stimulant because I just didn't want to run from my feelings. Although I think I could argue sugar. Gummy bears are in there still, so I'm going to have to <laughs> reexamine my relationship with gummy bears. But the, and tacos. You posted something about tacos. Fucking love tacos so much. <laughs> They're just the perfect food. I, re- I saw a funny meme the other day that said, uh, tacos are just love letters sent to oneself. <laughs> that the, the shell is the envelope, and <laughs> I love it. It's so good. But um, I also wanted to say thank you for the work that you do and sharing the things you share because, you know, this, I think for all all of us getting to listen to you and and getting to share in this work is that, it just turning our pain into our power. And, and I love that saying that we turn our mess into our message. And Ooh, another quote. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that one just resonated so much for me because I really thought like the work that I do is that I become the teacher I needed, you know? And, and so whenever I'm writing something or I'm doing it for just a younger version of me in that way, it, takes away any sort of responsibility of someone else. And it's more about what did I need to hear at 27 to save me from this choice? What did I need to hear or do or see? And that allows me to transmute the pain into wisdom and, and expansion. And one rule that I just live by absolutely 100% and maybe the best commitment I've ever made in my life is that I would always live at my highest level of knowledge. So as soon as I learn something, I change. I have to, I have to, I have to. If I don't, then I'm sitting on unrealized expansion. And wow. that's not being in the integrity of my heart. You know, that's not why I came here. You know, I didn't come, well, I mean, I don't know exactly why I came here or any of us are here, but I know for me, I didn't come to fuck around. You know, I yeah. don't. Same. You know, Life is a gift. Every morning is a blessing. I wake up and say the same thing. If I have eyes and feet to get me out of bed, 100%. I live here in the Florida Keys and I wake up and go to the beach and watch the sunrise. And it's such a treat. I know. I see your pictures there and I'm like, God, it's so sunny. I mean, like, well, Vancouver is beautiful. It gets rainy here though. I know. I do want to visit Canada someday. Now, one question that just popped in my mind, I feel like I just have to ask it both kind of for myself, but also for the community. 
Were you ever afraid to share your breakup because like your career is giving relationship advice? So does your ego ever jump in and say, well, I should have a perfect marriage or a perfect relationship. How can I share that I'm going through a breakup? I should yeah, know you know, it's a great question. I got asked that a lot actually when I went through my breakup. Uh, well, my platform was created when I was single and I used to get asked that a lot. Like, why would I take relationship advice from you? You're single. And I would, I would always say to people, you know, that actually is the exact reason, um, is because we believe that because you're in a relationship, you're good at them. And so the very essence of my work is about being connected to our truth, not being in a relationship. And that's why sharing what I've been through is one, I, at least the feedback I've gotten is that it's given other people permission to make mistakes too, or to have endings happen. And sharing from that space has just enriched who I am. And, and I think, at least my experience of it has been, that it has strengthened my relationship with the people that are part of the community that I'm so grateful to be a part of. And I, you know, I, I think it, as soon as you are teaching from an ivory tower or a rooftop, you've lost touch with what it means to be human. And the, I've always said to people that I'm in the trenches with you. I don't teach from a space of all knowing. I teach from a space of learning and always the student, you know, and as soon as you think you're not, the universe will teach you that you are. So it's, was it scary to share? Uh, yeah, because it was just heartbreaking to share. But was I felt it heartbroken because I follow both of you guys and I was like, no. Well, I think it really, you know, uh, some people were like, well, if you guys aren't making it, then I'm fucked, yeah. you know? And I, <laughs> I say to people, one, that means you've pedestaled us. And as soon as you pedestal anyone, then you've lost the ability to become like someone you admire. The other side of it is I said to people, you should never place your hope in me because that's not what I'm here to hold. And it doesn't give me the space to be human. And, you know, and other responses I got were things like, but when you love someone, you just fight for it. You work on it and you do anything. And, you know, sure, that's true sometimes, but how do we not know that the choice of love was to part? You know, that I think people project their own fears onto our situation. And I think if anyone's followed me through this transition, they'll see that I have nothing but grace and love and compassion and, and admiration for Kylie. She is one of the most spectacular people. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Gosh, I needed to hear that because sometimes I'm like, I'm divorced. Why am I giving people advice? That's exactly why you should be giving advice. Oh, you know, that was Kylie was divorced before I met her. And that was one of my favorite features of her. You know, that when someone has gone through something like that, it tells me that they will choose themselves at the cost of something that they have betrayed a system. And if someone has had to betray a system or even someone else they love and betray being go against what they've been taught, then I know that they are, if push came to shove, they'll tell you the truth. And you know, I wrote an article a long time ago that was called, uh, maybe instead of shaming the divorce, we should be learning from them. Yes. And and you know, one of my favorite it. compliments I got when I started to tell people I went through a divorce was congratulations. And this woman, this random woman I met who I told, Hey, I just got a divorce. Congratulations. I was so taken back. Like, what do you mean? You <laughs> followed your truth. 
Well, whenever anyone says to me, I'm going through a breakup, I say, good. <laughs> Great. That That's means you're exactly. about to meet your shit. You're about yeah. to find yourself. You have permission to be all of you. And that's the beauty of falling apart is you get to build who you want to be. Finally, finally, finally. Brand reclamation. Late, brand new. Whatever you want to do, you can create. Yeah, I agree. Create the love. Create the love. All right, Mark, I'm off to watch the sunset over the ocean, not to rub it in or anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Yes, thank Mark. So damn cool. I will never forget this interview. And I can't wait till I meet Mark in person. I know the time will come. And I can't wait. Most of all, I can't wait to meet you guys in person. Okay. Friendly reminder that you can find all the songs featured on Lightworkers Lounge on our Spotify playlist of the month. I also want to remind you guys to subscribe to our Friday bonus chats. It's called Lightworkers Lounge Premium. And you can subscribe to this at lightworkerslounge.podbean.com. That's lightworkerslounge.podbean.com. Subscribe to Lightworkers Lounge Premium because every Friday I am now bringing on one of you... You guys, we're already booked through January because you guys are so excited to come on for a Friday bonus chat, share your story, share how you found Lightworkers Lounge, what it means to you, a little bit about your spiritual awakening. You know, this is what Lightworkers Lounge is. It is a lounge. It is a water cooler for everyone who's going through that tough awakening to come and talk about it and share what's going on and to just realize you're not alone. So I'm covered in truth bumps thinking about all the upcoming episodes that we have. Like, for instance... This Friday, I have someone that I'm in love with coming on the show to talk about our relationship, and we found each other through the podcast, and that's all I'm going to say. You'll only have access to these episodes if you subscribe to Lightworkers Lounge Premium, so go ahead and do that, lightworkerslounge.podbean.com, and click on any Friday bonus chat to subscribe. It is $9.99 a month, and you can cancel absolutely any time. All right. I am out of here. For all of my U.S. listeners, happy Thanksgiving. And for everyone else, I will see you this Friday on a bonus chat with my lover. And I'll see you next Wednesday. And of course, on Instagram, at Lightworkers Lounge, or my personal account, at Stephanie's underscore Destiny, where I'm about to post a freestyle to my stories. (laughs) I love you guys. Go out there and create love. And know that I am sending you love every time you play me in your speakers. Goodbye. Goodbye.